0: Kindness, humility, and gentleness and patience. patience. Kindness, humility, and gentleness and 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 patience. (sighs) Kindness, humility, and gentleness and patience. 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 Let's pray. God, fill us with these things because they are of you. Make us more like Jesus. Pray that you will open our hearts, you will open our ears to receive your word, and may it transform us in ways that we haven't anticipated. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus knew what the problem was. Jesus knew how to diagnose a heart. He knew what was really going on when someone says, no, no, this is the real problem. Jesus had an encounter with the Pharisees one time when they got on his disciples' case for not washing their hands in the ceremonial way. They didn't wash their hands. They didn't do it right. You should say something to them. You're a rabbi after all. And Jesus tells them, you guys, you're missing the point. It's not about having clean hands. It's about having a clean heart. Listen to this encounter that Jesus has. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him, and he said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside of a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it's what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person can out, from outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but it goes into their stomach. And then it goes out of the body. And in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. And he went on. He said more. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, Arrogance and folly all these evils come from inside and defile a person We know more of the story we know that Jesus himself is the true cleansing for the unclean heart amen That's the good news right that Jesus is what makes us clean that his sacrifice washes us clean But he runs into these Pharisees that are focusing on an external purity concerned more about the hands than the heart or in other places, concerned more about the outside of the cup. Well, the inside of the cup is filthy. And that's the part that really matters. Jesus knew something that we can know today and that the unclean heart pulls us farther and farther away from God. And the things that Jesus describes here are the opposites of the Christian virtues that we are called to exhibit in our lives. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, Greed, wickedness, disloyalty, corruption, envy, slander, pride. And the last one mentioned is folly, but some translations say stupidity. Jesus knew that these things will pop up, and they will come pretty naturally. You don't really have to work hard to cultivate these kinds of things. They'll surprise you. They'll come out of nowhere. You'll think that you've suppressed them, and whoop! Now they're back. But that's not true of the Christian virtues. They are something that we have to work at. We have to cultivate. We have to hold on to intentionally and choose every day because otherwise, these other things will pop back right into our lives. I'm uh, almost 40 now, and I'm discovering in my old age that I, it's harder for me to keep weight off. Like if I'm wanting to lose 10 or 15 pounds, it takes about six months of me being very intentional and very diligent about what I'm eating and how I'm exercising. But then it doesn't really work the other direction. It seems that if I go up to Oregon and spend a weekend with my in-laws eating ice cream, it all just comes back in no time at all. And I think that the same is true about these bad habits or these sicknesses of the heart that Jesus warns us about. It's like this with the vices that are listed here we have to be consistent and diligent to keep them out or else they'll pop back up in an instant so question we should explore this morning is how do we keep from getting sucked back into the old ways of life or these old sicknesses illnesses of our hearts the answer that we're gonna find is that we cultivate good habits we replace them and I use the the term cultivate intentionally for a couple different reasons. I think there are a lot of examples in scripture, and Jesus was heavy on this as well, with agricultural illustrations, gardening, and growing. I think that's that's something that there's something to that, that we should observe and imitate. But also because it, it acknowledges that we do something, but we can't do everything. But at the same time, if we do nothing, things will just kind of get out of control. My gardening experience tells me that if you are trying to grow tomatoes or flowers or something in your backyard, they might grow for a little bit, but if you do nothing, they might stop growing. They might get overgrown with weeds. The soil will dry up. They will be neglected. They may not last very long. In the same way, yes, Jesus' sacrifice is what cleanses us, and yes, the Holy Spirit is at work in our life and is the one that's bringing about transformation but our role is to cultivate the soil to help growth and transformation happen. That's why it's important to understand Christian character and choose it every day. The Apostle Paul gives us a great snapshot of what the vices are that we need to get rid of, or in some cases we actually need to put to death so they don't come back, and then this picture of the virtues that Christians need to put on. And similar to Jesus' encounter with the Pharisees setting people straight about the things that matter and that don't matter, Paul tells the Colossian Christians in his letter that we read how to develop Christian character once you've decided to follow Jesus. You can read chapter 2. He says, like, don't worry about this and don't worry about this. And you guys are kind of focusing on some of the wrong stuff. But then when we get to chapter 3, that's where we're going to hang out this morning, he kind of paints this very helpful picture of what Christian character looks like and how you put it on. So read along with me. I'm going to read just a couple sections at a time, and then I'll comment on each one in between. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God, and when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Sounds familiar to what we were talking about a little bit last week. Where we're going, the goal that Christians have in sight. We said where we're going is a place where things are restored and renewed. There's a, a new body, there's a new heavens, a new earth, and we have this task of reigning with Christ. What Paul talks about here is preparing for the renewal of of our minds and our hearts right now. Don't wait till you get there, but start now. And that's that transformation piece that we were talking about. If you're in Christ, you're something new. You're something different. You've been transformed. You're a new creation. You have a new identity and a new purpose. The things that you used to care about, you might not care about so much. The things that used to be a priority for you, you aren't prioritizing anymore because you have a new set of kingdom priorities and you set your mind on things above. That's how Paul puts it here. But I need to clarify when he says set your minds on things above and not on earthly things, that's his way of identifying that change of priorities. It's not a way of saying don't worry about earthly stuff, don't worry about the things that you can touch and feel, like this doesn't matter, but what matters is everything that's spiritual and intangible. That's sometimes how we interpret this. But that sometimes is what causes us to neglect loving our neighbors and serving. And last week I held up this mirror and I said our job is to reflect God's glory into the world, reflect the praises of creation back up to God. That's our role now. That will be our role in eternity. So we can't say this world is bad or we need to separate ourselves from this world and not get any of its ickiness on us because that's not what Paul is saying here. And that's not what Jesus said. That's more of a Plato idea that's that's platonic thought that like the tangible is like whatever but we need to attain this higher sense of understanding where everything is spiritual and we float and it's all better that's not what god said when he created the world he said this is good my creation is good and i'm going to renew it i'm going to restore it i want you to be a part of it so we need to keep our eye on that when paul says earthly things he's referring to the things that he's about to list in the later part of the chapter. So let's take a look at those right now. What does Paul have in mind when he says, get rid of earthly things, or don't set your minds on these earthly things? Colossians 3, continuing on. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life that you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. You ready for another list? Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you've taken off your old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self, which is being restored in the image of its creator. Here, there's no Jew or Gentile, no circumcised or uncircumcised, Barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. What you get in this section is kind of the before picture. You ever seen one of those uh, home renovation shows or like a makeover show on TV where they give you the before picture and the after picture and you go, Wow, what a transformation. They looked so different before. This is the before picture. Lisa and I, when we were first married, we used to watch the show What Not to Wear with Clinton and Stacey. I see a lot of you are nodding your heads. I'm surprised that that many of you also love that show. But hey, I'm I'm a fan. They go to somebody who's just living their life and kind of a normal person and they say, like, no, you can't wear sweatpants. Uh, No, this outfit doesn't work. And they basically, they pull them into uh, a fashion tutorial. They take all of their old clothes. There's this whole ceremony where they throw them in a trash can uh, they, they, they're kind of insulting first. They're, they're a little bit mean. I think it's a little harsh, but they t- it's drastic They take out all of their old clothes and then they take them shopping They give them $5,000 and they say we're gonna teach you how to buy jeans and teach you how to find clothes that fit you And then they have a barbecue and all their friends go. Wow. Look at this transformation That's a lot kind of like What Paul is painting the picture here, but this is the before picture this is the this is how you used to be before you met Clinton and Stacy Although Paul doesn't say Clinton and Stacy, He says, this is how you used to be before you met Jesus. And he threw out your old lifestyle. And he said, come and be changed. Be transformed. You used to live this way. You used to look this way. But then you came to Christ. And now you look different. You live different because you are different. But Paul knows what Jesus knows, which we can know. And that is like those 10 or 15 pounds that sneak up on you, or those weeds in your garden, these pesky old habits are going to keep trying to sneak back into your life. And so you need to cultivate your character to keep that from happening. Paul says some of these things you're going to need to get rid of, you're going to just get them out of your closet. Some of these things you're actually going to need to put to death. And it's, you can go take a look at those later and just why, why these put to death and why these Are just something you need to get rid of. In any case, they're not good for your heart. They're not going to do you any good. They're part of the old self that you need to put aside. And that's part of Christian character, is uprooting things that don't belong there. But another part of developing Christian character is replanting things that should go there. So let's read on. This is going to be the after picture, what your life does look like now that you are in Christ. Colossians 3, we'll pick it up in verse 12. This is the new self. Paul is saying, this is what you want to strive for. Don't worry about the old things. You put those things off. And I use this illustration about Clinton and Stacy cleaning out people's closets intentionally because you get this kind of language in this section. Paul is saying you need to put on Christ. It's not just something that you need to have in your closet. You need to make the decision every day to identify these Christian virtues and say, I'm going to wear them. I'm going to be prepared with Christ. Them. If you're like me, you wake up and most days you put on clothes and you say, All right, this is what I'm going to wear. I'm not going to wear this. This one's dirty. This one's clean. This one matches. This one goes. And you you make sure that your your buttons are buttoned. Make sure your tags aren't showing. That's an intentional decision that you do when it comes to what you wear. Paul is saying we need to do that when it comes to how we treat people. We need to decide at the beginning of the day that we're going to. Uh, anybody else want a, some balled-up socks? Trish, okay. Any young people? I see Ellie. Ellie, why don't you come a little bit forward, grab some socks down here. Aria wants to throw something at me. Oh, watch out, Judy! That almost hit her right in the face. I'm sorry. All right, Jeff, reluctantly, he's like, I guess I will. Uh, anybody else who's got a good arm? Brittany, here's, here's some pajama pants. Okay, I got a couple more. Jane, Rod, you're, you're voluntold. Jane, catch them here. Okay, I got a hat. Here. Uh, good job, Leah, that's a great example. Alright, on the count of three, if you have clothes, Hank's interested, he just got recruited. On the count of three, uh, and try not to hit the iPad, if you can, <laughs> I would like all of you to try to hit me with the clothes that I gave to you. Whether it's balled up socks, or a t-shirt, or whatever, uh, we are going to clothe me in this fashion. So on the count of three, you get it, you're going to try to hit me, I'll, hopefully won't move, ready, one, Two, three, close me. <laughs> okay. Let me ask you this. It, oh, come on, Ari, right, hit me. Nobody else hit me. You got to redeem the church. Hit me with the socks. <laughs> Boom! Oh, good job. <laughs> all right. Here's the question. Uh, Am I wearing any of these socks that you threw? Am I wearing pajama pants? Am I wearing a green t-shirt right now? No. Uh, And that's because I didn't actually put these clothes on. I was touched by some of them. I encountered them. I've surrounded myself with all of these great Christian virtues. They're here, but I haven't put them on. That's an important Key. We need to clothe ourselves with Christ. And you're saying, like, I got baptized, I clothed myself with Christ. That's true. But today's a new day. You're gonna have new opportunities, you're gonna have new temptations, and that old self is gonna be creeping up and saying, Hey, I want you back. We need to decide every day we are going to clothe ourselves with Christ. We need to decide ahead of time and not in the moment. Oh, am I gonna be generous with this person? Am I gonna be patient with this person? Am I going to show kindness? Am I going to demonstrate compassion because I haven't really decided yet? Look at what you're wearing right now. You decided this is what I'm going to wear. That's what you're going to need to do with the Christian virtues. And the more that you do that, the more prepared you are for the opportunities you're going to need to use those virtues in your encounters with people who are difficult or people who require patience or people who are crying out for compassion and are not getting it from any place else. The more you do this, the more it becomes one of your core values. And the more it'll seem like second nature when you are called and required to do it. Again, thinking about core values, I was reading a leadership book recently and they were talking about how you can how how an organization, like a business or a church or anybody, how you can identify what your core values are. And they say one way that you can know what's most Im- truly most important to you is it's something that you are going to keep on doing even if it costs you something even if you lose customers it's such a core value you're gonna keep doing this even if it makes people mad and they say you gotta stop doing that people who know what their core values are are gonna say I'm sorry but this is what I'm going to do and they gave one example of an airline one of their core values had to do with humor and so they got an angry letter from a customer who was on an airplane to a frequent flyer a really good customer and they said I'm so upset when the Flight attendant was giving the pre-flight safety check. They were cracking jokes and trying to be funny. I'm not happy with this. You should do something about this. And you might think, oh, okay, you know. In business, the customer's always right. (laughs) You would expect maybe the CEO to write an apology letter or to, you know, bring in the employee and say, hey, maybe tone it down or calm down. But this was an organization that knew that one of their core values was humor. And so instead, what happened was the CEO wrote this customer a three-word response. They simply sent them a message that said, We'll miss you. It's because they knew what their core values were. Your core values are what define you. And Paul tells us in Colossians 3, This is who you are. These virtues that we are called to live by, these are at our core. And I want us to reflect on that this morning and really, truly ask ourselves, We know about them, they're they're available to us, but do we really put them on daily? Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Kindness, humility, and gentleness, and patience. Do you show kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience when you express your political views? Do you make a decision ahead of time to show kindness, humility, and gentleness, and patience when you post things online? Do you show kindness, humility, and gentleness, and patience when you encounter frustrating customer service somewhere? Have you decided at the beginning of each day that you're going to show kindness, humility, and gentleness, and patience even to high-maintenance people? When you come to church, do you make a decision, I'm going to show kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience with whatever happens in the worship service. Kindness, humility, and gentleness, and patience. And Paul says, over all of these, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. To continue on with the clothing metaphor, love is like the belt, holds it all together. My belt is keeping my pants up it's keeping my shirt tucked in it's got you know put your cell phone on the pocket it's it's kind of the center of what you're doing don pemberton or any good cowboy can tell us that the belt is what makes the ensemble right right it's about the belt paul says it is about the belt but the belt is love so instead of going oh did i do this kindness and compassion and forgiveness oh there's all these things i got to keep track of there's all these socks he says just if you love you're going to hit these targets and I have to admit that lately I have not been—I have not been doing this. Love is supposed to be that umbrella with how I interact with people, but I don't know if it's COVID. I don't know if it's the changes in the church, but I've just been more frustrated lately. I've been more short with people. I've been more demanding and impatient with people, and I've been getting more and more sucked into that old life and just this 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 idea that. It's about me and it's about people who can help me and people saying yes to all of my good ideas. And when that doesn't happen, I just, ah, I start to freak out. And lately, I was sharing this with the leaders earlier this week. I really, really feel like in a very noticeable, specific way, God's spirit has been drawing my attention away from that and going, "Uh, what are you doing, guy? Because that's not you. Does that even feel right? Does that feel good? It probably doesn't. What about this? And the this is what I'm talking about today. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It's love. I realize I haven't been loving people the way that I'm called to. I've been self-focused. Like last week, remember when I put the mirror in front of my face and you couldn't even see me? That's, that I can relate to that. But God is challenging me to, to shine his light outward and to say, you know what, instead of being frustrated with people, why don't you find out what their needs are? Find out what they're frustrated about. Find out how you can serve them because isn't that what we're supposed to do anyway? I mean, I'm a, I'm a minister of a church, for crying out loud. How can I miss that? But it's easy to miss. I hope that we don't miss it. When I put on compassion, kindness, humility, and gentleness, and patience, and forgiveness, I have a change of mindset. i become more others-focused, and I remember it's not about me, it's, it's about others. It's about sacrificing, because that's what Jesus did. Jesus' life and ministry was about sacrifice and giving people what they needed. The rejected needed welcome. Jesus' disciples needed guidance and encouragement. Even the prideful Pharisees needed sound teaching, and Jesus was happy to provide that. The sick needed healing, and the lost needed saving and jesus said that's what i'm about that's what i'm here for and he laid down his life every day and then he laid down his life on the cross because he was ready for it he lived a life of sacrifice when the moment came to do the big sacrifice he knew what that looked like and he did it that's what we need to do with these virtues that we put on we need to practice them daily in the small things and then when it really matters and when it really counts we are going to shine and people won't be able to to cover their eyes from that light that we're shining. I want to I illustrate it in one more way and then I'll, I'll kind of wind things down. The longest and darkest tunnel that I've ever been in in my life uh, was just a few weeks ago at Zion National Park. and I've got a video. Molly, you can go ahead and play that video of driving through a tunnel. I didn't take this but I found this online. It's just this tunnel that's carved into a mountain. It's over a mile long. There are no lights inside. It's just your headlights. They tell you not to stop. It's really narrow and cramped. And it's like, wow, this is dark. But look, every once in a while, you drive past a window. Bloop! A little bit of light comes in. And you go, what was that? Because there's the, here comes again. There's this amazing view when you look out these windows. Look for it, because it's only going to be there for a second. Boom! Wow! That was incredible. You drive through the darkness, and you look to the side, and it's the most magnificent view in the whole park. There's this valley below. this beautiful rock face, but you can't stop your car. You want to stop. You want to just spend the whole afternoon there, but you're driving through at 25 miles an hour, and it just goes by in a glimpse, but it's a beautiful, amazing glimpse of something that is of God, and that's what happens when we put on these virtues, and when we put on love that binds them all together, is that people get this glimpse of what God had intended all along, the love of God, shine through his people the sacrificial nature of jesus in action in our workplaces and in our our neighborhoods Man, that's what i want to do but it starts in the morning with making a decision not just to have a green t-shirt near you but to actually put it on to clothe yourself with these things uh let's pray together Lord, we thank you for your love. We acknowledge that you are love, that you are the creator of love, and that you call us to live lives of love. And we invite you now to examine our hearts for ways that we have been deficient in loving others. Help us understand where our limits are. Identify the places we're unwilling to go, the people we're unwilling to wait for, and let us be more like Jesus. As I prayed before, change our hearts. Thank you for this message from Paul. Thank you for these pictures, these before and after snapshots that we can reference and say, man, I want to live into what I've committed to and not revert back to ways that don't fit me, ways that don't make sense. God, surround us with your spirit. May we work together in tandem with you to become the creations that you have made us to be and designed us to be. Uh, And let us look more and more like Jesus each day. I pray this in his name. Amen. Uh, I want to invite you to to stand. We're going to sing one more song together. You'll recognize this song and hopefully just oh man sing it out but let this song be enacted in your lives as you go from here. Uh, This is such a good church. It's so good to be in God's love and it's so good to be able to extend that and share that with others and so I pray that we'll be able to do that effectively and successfully this coming week. Let's worship together.